0: Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined as always by Clarkie and Steve Saborn And we've got a great special guest again this week. National senior NHL writer for The Athletic, Scott Burnside, will join us. Of course, also one of the hosts of the Two Man Advantage podcast with Pierre Lebrun. We'll talk about a number of things, including award voting, the process behind that, new NHL TV deals. We'll talk a lot about different award winners that could potentially pop up this year, and so much more. We will also chat at the end of of course, with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet on a number of things, including a huge quarterback controversy in the NFL that could have implications for years to come, particularly in a city called Green Bay. And we'll also chat about the Valspar Championship where our friend Corey Connors is playing this weekend right here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co.
1: This is MWO Sports. Welcome back
0: to MWO Sports brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarkie and Steve Sabron. We're very pleased to be joined by another great special guest on the show this week. The National Senior Writer for the NHL for The Athletic. He is one of the best voices in the game in terms of covering it. We're very pleased to be joined by Scott Burnside. Scott, how are you?
2: I'm doing very well. That's that's quite an introduction. That's as that's as good as it gets. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a recording of this and just keep shipping it out to whoever I need to ship it out to. So thanks we'll for having you me. Clip.
0: We'll absolutely give you a clip of this so you can send it to all the parties concerned. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of your most recent articles. Uh, it was a great piece about the upcoming potential playoff format and some of the challenges that the NHL is obviously going to have to deal with. Particularly in terms of whatever Canadian team comes out of this North Division, uh, let's delve into some of the details of that article, Scott, and just kind of explain to our viewers and listeners what sort of challenges are present for the NHL and what they might consider.
2: Yeah, and I honestly, I think you have to go back to last summer and the uh, bubble playoffs, and and just how nimble. Uh, I know this is a, a term that comes up very frequently with the NHL, the NHLPA, and. Um, since the pause a year ago March and trying to get the playoffs together, all those kinds of things. The ability to pivot very quickly depending on whatever the circumstances are. and You know, you think back to last summer and for a long time, it looked like the bubble cities were going to be in Vancouver and Vegas. And sadly for me, because I would have loved to have gone to Vegas and watched some hockey. And of course, at the very last minute, it turned out to be Edmonton, Toronto. Um, And I think we're in a similar kind of, um, situation, especially as it relates to the North Division, uh, given all of the issues in Canada uh, that persist with COVID nineteen and uh, the rate of infection, the issues with um, the spread of the of, of the virus, still at this stage, uh, the border restrictions, um, the fact that there simply aren't enough vaccines for to to adequately vaccinate people in Canada, which is is going to have an impact on the Canadian end of the NHL playoffs. And we already know what it's done during the regular season. Of course, no teams outside of Canada traveling into Canada. Um, And so the issue has to be, well, what's it going to look like uh, for the four Canadian teams who make the playoffs? And when you get to the final four, which in other years would be the conference final level um, at some point, you're going to have to have an American team play a Canadian team. That's just the way the math is going to work out. But also on the table are other issues about because there are no fans in Canadian buildings and aren't likely going to be Canadian fans for the duration, right through to the end of the playoffs in July. It's hard to imagine Canadian fans being in any of the buildings at any point. So are you better served if you're the NHL and you're thinking about the economics to move the Canadian teams to an American city to start the playoffs you could sell some tickets. Almost all the American cities now have at least a portion of fans in their buildings. Some are still just coming back online. Uh, Washington had fans for the first time last week, that kind of thing. So could you generate some revenue? Would it in, you cut down on your travel. If for instance, you had uh, Edmonton Winnipeg playing in Arizona in the first round, could you make some money? Would it really impact the players? Um, And you can debate that. I know it's on the table. I think that's probably less likely. And I think what you'll see is in the first two rounds, the Canadian teams will play in Canada as they have throughout the season. But when it comes to that final four, my guess is that they will move the North division winner to an American city that would be relatively close to whoever they play. So let's say it's Vegas and Toronto. Could you move Toronto into Arizona if it's Toronto and Washington, could you go to, say, Columbus or Nashville? So I think those are the things that are likely going to happen. Um, But it's all still up in the air. There's still, uh, again, many balls in the air, um, and not the least of which, what do you do with teams like Vancouver and Calgary, who because of the outbreak with the Vancouver Canucks, they have three games uh, I believe it's the 16th, 18th, and 19th of May, which is four or five days after we expect the U.S. teams to start the playoffs. How does that affect the North Division and wherever they're playing, the start of that playoff, that still is very much up in the air as well.
3: Scotty, I really hope they don't um, do what you said at first with with Elise moving into uh, uh, and playing Montreal, St. Columbus. I just... As a Leaf fan, obviously I want to see that Leaf logo at center ice. And I think even though fans aren't there, home ice still does mean something uh, and the Leafs have earned it. And I think that uh, hopefully they will get it. But what I, what I really like what the NHL is doing is they're not setting any rules, hard, fast rules right now. They know this thing is fluid. It's going to change all the time. And that's probably most of their thinking. They're going to just leave this open until they really have to make a decision. Aren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think the plan, the, the, the shadow plan, if we can use that term right now, is that the, the U.S. playoffs would likely begin the week, weekend of May 15th, as it's been described to me. It's a great TV window in the U.S., uh, even though NBC is in its final weeks of uh, being the national broadcast partner in the U.S. with the NHL. Uh, the commitment is still to have, you know, cover the playoffs as they have in the past, which means every single a playoff game on a number of their platforms but that weekend of the 15th is a good weekend to start things off um my guess is you'll see central and east playoffs um because the west again because of uh some COVID issues uh in the west division uh those teams play a little bit later in that week so my guess is that they would start probably the monday uh, of, of that week after the weekend of the 15th but the playoffs likely will start with the u.s teams that weekend of the 15th, mm-hmm. um, but again, you, nothing has been set down in stone because, and I'm, I'm with you, Chris, I, I think it's been important how the NHL has handled this is that if you come out too early and you, for instance, last summer, if you'd said Vegas, Vancouver, those are our cities, even though that's what they wanted at the end of the day, the the rate of, of transmission and the number of cases in, in Vegas was, was too great for the NHL and they made the wise decision to move both uh, bubble cities into Canada and they couldn't get what they wanted from the BC government in terms of how the protocols were going to work and the BC government, it, they couldn't get on the same page. And so that's why they ended up in, in, in Edmonton and Toronto. And so I think that this is a wise thing. Take your time. It doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't really matter <laughs> except for those of us who talk about this nonstop every day, <laughs> whether they're going to start on the 15th or the 16th, or does it really matter Yeah, One of the things that they talked about with that I talked to some people about, because those games with Vancouver and Calgary are not likely to impact the playoff situation in the North, could you have them play in the afternoon and then start the North Division playoffs the night of the 19th? Or could you start them before? Could you start them the weekend of the 15th? Those are things that are all all on the table as well, but you're not rushing into making a decision in case something else comes up in the next two and a half weeks.
3: I'd like to think those games will mean something because that means that the Leafs could have a good success against Montreal all these next three times they play them. Um And Calgary still could be in there. They're only six points back now. I know um they still have a shot, but yeah, they could mean something. So it could be really a bizarre situation with, uh, with the North Division still not done and the playoffs going on in the States, which really brings to the next point. How hard is it to figure out who the best team in the National Hockey League this, is this year, with only uh, interdivision played,
2: yeah, it, it, Chris, you're, that's a great point. Although I will go back for just a second. Don't you want to see the Habs and the Leafs? Come on, doesn't everyone yes, in the hockey yes, world? I want do. In like yes. 1979. Yeah, don't be bringing yeah. Flames into this discussion with all due <laughs> respect to the Flames. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but your point's an excellent one, and it's. Uh, I'm a former president of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, so I've been and I've voted on the awards for a, a long time and you know i talked to coaches and gms and scouts and my colleagues and like how do you how do you determine who the best players are vis a vis those awards mm-hmm. and who you know how do you handicap the teams going into the playoffs and i think it's fair to say if if you look at vegas and colorado even though colorado's in a bit of a, a sideways run right now they might be two of the top three or four teams in the NHL. My friend Pierre Lebrun, we were on the podcast this week. He, said he I think he said they might be the top two teams in the NHL. I, I don't agree. But they also play uh, eight games against some of the worst teams in the NHL in Anaheim and San Jose and L.A. and Arizona is not very good. So, you know, how, how do you compare those teams to, say, Washington and Pittsburgh in the East where, where there's so much – Uh, relatively speaking, a lot more parity and, for my money, a lot greater depth of competition in the East. So it it is really difficult to determine. And at some point, it's going to matter, right? Like, I think Vegas is probably going to end up with the best record in the NHL. And that means if they get to the Final Four, they'll play the team with the fewest points of the four remaining teams. So, you know, they're going to benefit because they're a really good team, of course, but also pretty You know, I mean, their competition isn't as strong as I would argue as competition um, in the East. And I think, frankly, in the Central. So
4: it almost sounds like uh, NCAA college football, where you have a strength of schedule to rank your teams. Um, Talking about the teams um, and and trying to justify who's better than who. uh, But what about some of the individual accomplishments this year? Who's really caught your eye? and will be the leaders moving forward uh, when they hit that second season.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, I'm a little disappointed because there really aren't there aren't many true playoff races, in, in spite of the fact that Chris is wishing ill on Montreal. I mean, that's not much Always. of a race <laughs> in the north right now. Um, it's not really much of a race in the west now because Arizona's fallen off and St. Louis is finally you know, sort of getting themselves together. I will say I am fascinated, though, by what's happening with Nashville and Dallas uh, fighting for fourth place in the Central Division. Central's crazy talented with Carolina. They were my preseason cup pick, the Hurricanes in first place now and followed closely by Florida and Tampa. But Dallas, of course, with the COVID outbreak to start their season, uh, I was talking to somebody with the Stars not too long ago, and, and they were... They weren't complaining, but with all the attention on Vancouver and their schedule, and he was like, "We've been playing this schedule since the moment we began." And and their schedule down the stretch is murderous. I think they play seven straight on the road to finish the regular season. They play Nashville Saturday night, um, but for Nashville, it's been UC Saros, and of course, in in uh, in Dallas, Jason Robertson, just incredible rookie season. Um, really putting the pressure on Kirill Kaprizov with Minnesota, who I think a lot of us imagined was going to run away with the Rookie of the Year Award. But Robertson has been absolutely dynamic. And he really, um, as a first-year player, has taken on such an incredible weight with that Dallas team. And they are only a couple points back. Um, So I, I, I like UC Saros possibly to appear on a Hart Trophy ballot or two. And really, uh, Jason Robertson really creating um, and some interesting dynamics for the uh, for the Rookie of the Year award. And then the other, the Norris Trophy is is so fascinating. Adam Fox in New York with the Rangers has been off the charts, but the Rangers aren't likely going to make the playoffs, and and that's always been a problem for me. I know you know back in the day when Shea Weber. was arguably one of the top three or four defensemen in the NHL. But if, you know, the Preds didn't make the playoffs and when he first went to Montreal, if they weren't in the playoffs, I always found it hard to have him, you know, in in, in my top three. So Adam Fox is going to face some of that, I think, uh, although, man, what a bright future for both Adam Fox and the New York Rangers.
0: Absolutely. We're chatting with national senior NHL writer for the Athletics, Scott Burnside. Scott, I want to ask you a little bit about the, the award voting process. And of course, you mentioned, as as many people will know, that you are a former president of the PHWA. I, I want to ask you specifically about you know, weird instances where, like you said, sometimes really obvious guys will get let off, You know, left off guys' ballots. Two of the most egregious examples I can think of in my lifetime were when someone from Tampa Bay put Radko Gudis in for the Calder as their number one pick, by the way. And in 2001 and two, when two Montreal writers famously left Jerome McGinley completely off their ballot, robbing him of what, and no disrespect to Jose Theodore, robbing him of a deserved heart trophy as president. Let's say I would assume that you see everyone's ballot when you guys see stuff like that, or when the current president sees stuff like that, is there any type of discussion that goes on of taking votes away from those members for something like that? Like do, do those conversations ever happen?
2: Yeah, they absolutely do happen. And, and one of the, the interesting things that's happened in the last, <clears throat> I would say four or five years was just after uh, I left as president and, uh, when I I took I spent a year with the Dallas Stars so I couldn't be I couldn't be in the PHWA cuz I was working for the Stars um, and I believe it was the next year that was the first year that they published all of the votes uh, you know which is something that was modeled on the um, uh, professional baseball, baseball writers association who have done that for years and years and I think a lot of us you know, it's, I understand the reticence for some voters in smaller markets to have their votes um, reproduced publicly um, because it, it can be a lonely job being a beat writer or a writer in a small market and you're the only uh, man or woman covering a team. And, and so I understand those, you know, those dynamics. But I, I'm really pleased that that all the votes are uh, open now for public perusal. I think, you know, we ask for a certain amount of transparency from Teams and owners and players. Uh, I think we should be giving it ourselves as as writers. So I don't have a problem with it. It does reveal, though. You know, and I I got to tell you, I you know I sweat over the ballot every year. Um, and, and not because you want to make an informed decision, you want to make a good uh, cast, good ballots, uh, but you also don't want to screw up. And I I think back to you know sometimes it's it's not anyone's fault. But at one point the NHL had Alex Sovechkin listed. I think at both. Left wing and right wing. So on the at the end of the uh, the voting, I think he was made like the second all star team on both wings. So that's a bit embarrassing, and that's not that's not a great thing for us, and probably wasn't a good thing for the NHL. Um, but it, but it is important. And I know this year there's a lot of discussion because of uh, of the fact that you know no no travel for the writers. Um, you're only seeing divisional games, so they so they've reduced the Frank Cervalli from uh, from TSN is the uh, president now, and I know a lot of discussion with the executive. Cut down the voting panel, um, maybe a, a few more national folks like me, um, just you know, just to make sure that we're getting it right in a, in a very unusual year. So, um, and I know in the past people have complained. Well, is there a um, geographic bias because the bigger um, uh, chapters are in the in Canada or in the Northeast and. I know the PHWA has worked really hard to make sure that there is geographic representation uh, across the board. So it, there's a lot of thought that goes into it, and I think for the most part, PHWA, notwithstanding the you know the the moments that you pointed out, and and those are those are absolutely fair. Uh, I think the I think the the voters get it right, and I don't always agree with it. You know, I, like I yeah, well, Eric Cross has won two more, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't, I didn't have him at number one either year he won. And then the year, one year he led the NHL in block shots and was this complete player. Yeah, I didn't. I don't even know if he was on the final ballot, but he was number one on mine. So it doesn't always, it's not always what I agree with. And I wouldn't vote it that way. But I do think the voting process is, there's a lot of care that's taken with it. I guess that's my point.
3: Hey, Scotty. I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, lesser lights this year. We see Buffalo down at the bottom again. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Our good friend, Brian Duffett follows him around wherever Brian goes, broadcaster for the Sabres. His teams don't seem to do too well. Um, but then I look at other teams like Columbus and Philadelphia, um, just two-parter what happened in Philly and does torts get through this summer and does he come back as the coach of Columbus next year. Do you think?
2: Yeah, both great questions. And Good for you to bring out Duffer. He's he's the best. He and I trade emails and text every once in a while, and uh, uh, and I never get to Buffalo anymore because, of course, I I don't go anywhere. But uh, I, I do. I, I asked Pierre LeBrun this this week on our podcast. I said, "Do you feel any better about Buffalo?" Because he played a little bit better since the trade deadline. And I'm a huge fan of Don Granato. Really smart guy, and really God, he just he really cares, and he's got coaching chops that people may not be aware of and national team development program. And all. You know, he's worked in Chicago. And anyway, he's, re- he's a really good, smart guy. I hope he gets a real good chance at, at carrying that job forward. Uh, a lot of moving parts with Kevin Adams, the uh, former Leaf uh, back in the day, and now the uh, rookie GM of the Sabres. So, uh, but I, I do think, uh, you know, they got to sort out the Jack Eichel situation. Does he want to be there? If he doesn't want to be there, is there a market for him? How do you move a player like that? Um, that team should be way better than it's been. Um, so we'll see. And, and, and Chris, you know, this It's such a tremendous hockey market. I mean, some of my, it's just such yeah. a great place to go and watch hockey. Fans are smart and loyal and they deserve better than the crap they've seen for the last 10 years. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Philly is such a strange thing. I, I two years ago, I spent three or four days with Carter Hart. Um, He's from just outside Edmonton. So I was out there in the off season, spent some time with Carter. Such, such a great kid. And, and is, he is, he's a great young goalie and he had a terrible year. And I know he's just, it's just announced he won't play again this year. I think it's a knee, knee surgery, Um, but a really, really good kid and did not have a great year. And that team just collapsed. You know, they they missed it. Matt Niskanen decides to retire at the last minute, never really filled that hole. And they just got they got buried. And I think they're going to be better. They have a pattern of, you know, sort of the alpha wave, right? Good and bad. They'll be back next year. And I think Carter Hart, he's going to learn a lot from this season. You know, you think of Carey Price. It wasn't a straight line for Carey Price in Montreal. And I think Carter Hart's going to be better for it. And Torts, what a great story. Columbus every week, some crazy brush fire, right? I mean, here, Dubois and the benching of Patrick Linea and the benching of Max Tomey. And it's just, it's, it's a nonstop situation in Columbus. We had Yarmo Kekulain and the GM on our show a couple of weeks ago and re, you know, fiercely proud of that market in that city. Um, and, and it really, it's going to be some interesting discussions. John Tortorella is at the end of his contract. Um, I always say this, but he can coach my team any day of the week. Um, But it may just be time and it may be time for him to do something else. And maybe it's coaching, maybe it's not. And it may be time for Columbus to move on to a different voice and a different mentality. But to me, Columbus has always played the way I want to a hockey team to play. And I think of them against the Leafs in the play-in round last year. Sorry, Chris. I, I loved them of course, two years ago against Tampa even last summer against Tampa, five games, that was a dynamic series, and they play the right way, play hard. But that's who Torts is. So I don't know. I, I won't be surprised at all if there is a changing uh, of the guard for Columbus. They've got some huge decisions coming up. Uh, Seth Jones, such an important piece of that uh, chemistry there in that future. One more year left on his deal before he's a UFA. Zach Warinsky, one more year before he's an RFA uh, they got to bring those guys under contract and lock them up long, t- long term um, or I think you're going to see more leakage of players in Columbus, which isn't a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's the challenge for them. We'll be right back with more with our friend Scott Burnside of The Athletic right here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co.
1: This is MWO Sports.
0: with the national senior writer at the athletic of the nhl scott burns i go ahead steve
4: yeah uh, scott one thing that uh, caught my eye i was able to watch the boston pittsburgh game last weekend and the one nothing win for pittsburgh on uh, Gensel's, uh, i believe it was 30th goal uh but very fast back and forth uh there was one penalty late in the game um to me pittsburgh's a team that's Kind of flying under everybody's radar right now, and and they could make some noise.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Stephen. I've spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh over the last fifteen years or whatever since Sydney Cross became in the league, and we often joke that it's sort of become my second <clears throat> NHL home. And uh you, I think certainly the last couple of years, it's been it's been disappointing. Two years ago they get swept by the Islanders very soft, disinterested performance, and then being knocked off by Montreal, just, to, you know, that team is better than that. And you had to wonder, okay, is the window really closed? Is, you know, what do you do with Malkin and Letang and Crosby? And of course, this year, with Hall of Fame GM Jim Rutherford abruptly stepping away and Ron Hextall and Brian Burke moving in, there's a lot of turmoil there. But I think your point's an excellent one, and, and very quietly. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of, uh, 2016-17 when they won their second of back-to-back Cups. Chris Letang was hurt, and people were like, oh, you can't back- you can't go back-to-back. And, and, of course, they did. And this team reminds me of that a little bit. I think the goaltending is better than people think it, it is. It's going to have to be that way, obviously. Um, but their defense, Mike Matheson, who was a disaster in Florida, has been really good there. John Marino is a really terrific young player there. Brian Dumoulin. Um, it's a really interesting Cody has really sort of remade himself there. If Denny Malkin, I don't think he's going to play tonight as we're taping this on a Thursday, uh, but he's getting ready for, uh, contact and should be back, uh, for the playoffs and Sidney Crosby, listen, he's no one's going to dislodge Connor McDavid as the Hart trophy win. It, it shouldn't uh, here's me speaking for all of the PHWA voters. So it should be Connor McDavid in the giant landslide. But I got to tell you, Sidney Crosby um, right now would be in my top three. Been an unbelievable season for him. And you know that he's been disappointed by what happened the last two years. Um, I, I love that whole East. I'd love a first round Pittsburgh Boston series. Need to see a little more Washington, Pittsburgh before OV and Sid and the rest of those guys retire. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. But I'm with you. I think Mike Sullivan deserves some some look when it comes to the Jack Adams as well. He's a bit under the radar like the rest of that team, but don't sleep on the Penguins.
0: You can never sleep on the Penguins as long as they have Sid and Gino there. And I always hate it whenever they flop out of the playoffs, if you will, and people immediately start going, well, they got to trade Malkin, who's allegedly the 101st best player ever, which is a joke to me. I would have had him in the high 70s myself. But yeah, you're right. You can never count out Pittsburgh. Let's talk about another organization that recently had a lot of Stanley Cup success, at least not very far removed from it, and is now kind of, as you said earlier, Scott, kind of riding the wave, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know recently on your great podcast that you host with Pierre Lebrun, the two-man advantage, which is one of the best podcasts out there. You got to listen if you're a hockey fan. You guys were chatting with Stan Bowman, who you know has done a great job there and, and gets a lot of flack lately for some of the team's failures. But, hey, they won an awful lot. And they've had just a weird season where they came out of the gate really hot. They were riding the Kevin in wave. Patrick Kane was getting early heart love. He probably still will from some people but then they they've got this Jonathan Taves situation which has been under the radar for a lot of the season but it was a big story at the beginning that he would not play with a mystery illness what have you heard on that front and what are some of the other things you touched on with Stan
2: yeah it, w- it was a great conversation with with Stan and uh you you'd talk about the passage of time and you, you know how how quickly things move along and and I'm old enough that Uh, during my tenure at ESPN, I was at the Chicago Blackhawks training camp for the first ever Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane camp and sat with them in their hotel. Uh, They honestly, especially Patrick Kane, I swear he weighed 135 pounds. You're like, no way this kid can play in the NHL. And here he is now. He's a father. Uh, That first year he lived with Stan Bowman, which was interesting. So we were able to chat a little bit about that. And um, you know, the Jonathan Taze thing is, it, uh, you know, Stan Bowman was shed a little bit of light on it. I thought, in the sense that he's, you know, he's been in contact with Jonathan Taze, as, as you would expect he would be, um, and it does sound like there's more positive news about whether Jonathan Taze will be able to come back and play next season, and um, that he's that he feels that he's going to be in a position to at least give it a try next season. So I, I thought that was. Um, you know, I thought that was important and and I thought Stan Bowman was really interested said, listen at some point you know Jonathan Taze will discuss this as he sees fit it's it's Jonathan's story Jonathan's story to tell when he chooses to tell it whatever it is and completely Zen about that I think that's the way it should be um, and, and that team is interesting I, I don't I I'm not surprised that they've fallen off frankly you know the blue lines not quite where it needs to be. They have some great pieces, uh, up front, to uh, bring Catton and and, um, you know, just lots of, uh, you know, lots of interesting pieces moving forward. Kirby doc, of course, had the injury at the world juniors early on. So, um, and, and I think, you know, uh, when you think about the coaching with Colleton coming in, taking Joel Quenville's place, uh, I think this has been a really important season for him in terms of putting his mark on this team. I do think they're close to being back in the hunt. Now, of course, they'll go back in that central division next year. Uh, Arizona will come over with Seattle going into the Pacific. So uh, it's not going to be easy for the Blackhawks in the central, but I do like what they do there. And and I think you do have to tip your hat to Patrick King. Um, you know, he'll fall off on the heart voting I would think because they won't be in the playoffs, but what a performance by him. And, Stan Bowman, of course, is going to be the GM of the U.S. Olympic team, assuming that we see NHL players in Beijing next February. Um, and it would not shock me at all if Patrick Kane's wearing the C on Team USA. Uh, and and really, you know what, that, that'd that be a pretty good fit, I think. And and he's, I know Stan Bowman talked about this, but he's become such an important leader, especially in the absence of Jonathan Tays and Brent Seabrook stepping away from the game. Um I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, that might be a good bet to make that Patrick Kane is, in fact, the captain of Team USA, assuming the NHL is back in the Olympics in 2022.
3: Scott, you mentioned ESPN earlier. Um, ESPN now the uh, well, next year will be the uh, main broadcaster for the NHL. It's back Uh, and TNT as the secondary. What does this mean for hockey? Do you think down south of the border?
2: You know, I keep joking now. If they just bring a team back to Atlanta, we'll have come full circle. <laughs> Good right? luck. Good Turner luck. Sports is down the road. I'm thinking of renting out part of my house to the broadcasting <laughs> crew at Turner sports. So <laughs> if you know, anybody who's looking for an overnight place, if they're down here shooting, let me know. But I think it's, um, I think having it on, on two networks that in many ways will be writing a new script in how the games are presented and what it, what the NHL broadcast landscape looks like. I think it's a great thing, you know, no real slight against NBC, <clears throat> I, but when you're the only, when you're the lone national broadcaster in the States, I, I, I just think that it's easy maybe to get into a rut or into a routine and maybe not challenge yourself. Um, and while I know there's going to be a lot of, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship with Turner sports and ESPN and promoting the game, just as we see with basketball and, and, uh, in the baseball playoffs on different networks. Um, there, I think there is going to be some challenge, some competition between the two, and I think that's healthy. And, and you know, when you think of ESPN, it's been years since they had regular NHL broadcasts. Um, I, I think it's a real, it's an opportunity for both those networks to really push the envelope on how they tell their stories, who are they going to get to tell those stories, making sure that the people that are, uh, you know, Calling the games and commentating on the games and are in their panel groups in the studios that they do reflect sort of the future of the game and how the game is changing and has changed since certainly the last time ESPN had the game and that's a challenge and it won't be easy because sometimes it's just easy to say well okay so we'll just see these are they're good friends but you can't just have Steve Levy and Barry Melrose every night during the NHL season right as much as I love those guys. So you got to think outside the box a little bit. And I'm curious to see how it works. I think it's great for the game, though. And I think it's really important, especially for the game in the United States. I, I think these coming years are, you know, if we try and get out of the mess of COVID-19 and and you know, obviously hockey is such a tiny part of that mess, but you know, the economic landscape over the next two or three years is going to take a lot of work to get out of it. And and I think this these two deals with Turner Sports and ESPN are absolutely huge. To accelerating that process well i will say this
0: uh, i am very much looking forward to seeing barry's flow back on my television screen i think we all are yeah. King of hair. And I, I love it. He always does those great hair videos. Um, I, I want to leave you with this Scott. And, and it's more from a league perspective as obviously it's great news that they're back on ESPN sports giant down there. And then they sign on with Turner sports from the league's perspective. Cause as you said, it's going to be incumbent on those networks to try and tell the hockey story in their own unique way and draw more fans in. We, we all know the NHL is you know sort of always been the the little brother of the big four if you will especially in the united states um in terms of the league though other than ensuring that maybe turner has the right edmonton oilers captain on their promotional material uh, yeah, that- <laughs> what sort of things can the league maybe take a directive in doing to increase eyeballs on the sport and marketing themselves better in conjunction with these new tv partners
2: yeah no i think it's a great point and you know, who doesn't love Andrew Ferrets? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. And so there you go. And you know what? I, it it's funny, I was talking to Pierre going about this today. I said, I put Andrew Ferretz on on my panel. He's a really smart guy. He can come on my panel any day. Sure. Uh, and, you know, and I think, yeah, I, I think it will be interesting because I think that you know the league has a role in, in a lot of this stuff. And you know, whether it's diversity or inclusivity and, you know, they haven't hit all the right notes, right. Let's be honest. They just, they haven't. And it's been a hard time to do a lot of that stuff. Um, You know, there's still so much uncertainty with women's hockey. How is that going to look? What's the league's role in that and promoting it and all those kinds of things. They are all interconnected. Um, And, and I think that's, you know, I think it'll be easier to to answer some of these questions once we get back to normal next year, normal, I hope, and Seattle comes into the league. It, to me, Seattle is such a great, you know, not only great city and, and you know, fascinating um, addition as a 32nd team. But when you look at how Seattle has approached uh, the structure of their team, the hirings that they've made in key personnel areas, uh, all kinds of different backgrounds, men, and women, people of color backgrounds that aren't traditional they're not all from the old boys network and to me you can talk all you want but it's it it's when people see things in action and I every day I look at Seattle and I go oh my that, that's great that looks like a great hire and how interesting they're doing this and their environmental stand and all of the stuff they've done you know it's that cliche that actions speak louder than words and I think Listen. People get weary of the NHL saying they're going to do things and saying they're big on this and okay. Look, well, let's see it. And, and to me, so much fun when Seattle gets in here in the fall um, because they are. They're they're talking the talk, but they are walking the walk. And I think those things are critical to to do addressing some of the things you're talking about. How do you make you know real change? Well, y- you do it. You 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 don't do what everyone else did for the last 50 years. And Seattle's doing that. And I think that, you know, hopefully they become, you know, an early standard bearer for what other teams, when they start to make changes within their organization, say, hey, let's do something different.
3: Scott, yeah. before we let you go, um, I just, I'm, I'm curious about why you're living in the States now, down in Atlanta, sort of far away from Canada. And I was walking the other day past the Listowel swimming pool and I found this poster on a post there. It's a wanted poster and it says for breaking into the Listowel pool. Can you please tell me this isn't true or is it true, Scott? You have some explaining to do the, to the uh residents of Listowel.
2: Thank goodness these statutes of limitations has long run out on an incident that happened. I'm guessing I was uh 15 or 16 uh I wasn't much of a ball player, but I, I lived in Essex, Ontario, and I uh, played on a on a travel ball team, and we were in a tournament in Listowel. It was very hot, very hot, and <clears throat> I don't know how it happened. In fact, maybe the gate was left open, and we somehow found our way into the Listowel swimming pool fairly late at night. Um, in fact, I think we were just checking on things, making sure the deck chairs were put away. <laughs> Uh, but we were definitely in the listable pool after hours, uh, very enjoyable night. Uh, and I remember listable very fondly for that very reason. Very good. Okay. Well, we'll let you off the hook. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, very good indeed. I'm, I'm pretty tight with town council here, Scott, but uh, they will not hear it from me, so I, I can't promise they don't listen to the podcast, though, so uh, your confession is recorded. Uh, you can follow him at Overtime Scott B. He's the national senior NHL writer for The Athletic. Check out his work there, and of course, listen to the podcast, Two Man Advantage, with himself and Pierre LeBron. Scott Burnside, we really appreciate this, buddy. All the best. Glad to hear you're vaccinated. Stay safe, stay, uh, stay healthy, and uh,
2: we appreciate this man you'll definitely be back on the show anytime chris has my number i'm always happy to answer he uh chris put up with a lot of uh, learning on my side uh, back in the early days of Lease tv and uh so yeah so i'm uh, i'm really happy anytime to come aboard thanks very much
0: Absolutely. Happy to hear it. All right. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we will chat with our wagering expert from Cool Bet, Chris Abbott, on a number of things, including, of course, the NFL draft, which is happening on the night we happen to be recording this. And a big rumor that could change Super Bowl betting odds. Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. We'll delve into that news and more coming up next on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Wrapping things up this week, Ryan Drury still alongside Clark and Steve Saber. And as always at the end of the show, pleased to be joined by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. How you doing, Abbott?
1: I'm doing very well, guys. How are you guys doing this evening?
0: We're doing well, man. Just grinding through this latest lockdown, trying to stay positive and watch as much sports as possible. And uh, a lot of money burning a hole through my pocket that I've spent on your site lately. So uh, you're welcome. Uh, Really quick. (laughs) I know Clarky. before we get into some NFL draft talk, some Aaron Rodgers talk, Clarky wants to bring something up.
3: He's dying to reveal. No, no. Hey, let's let's yeah, be honest. We have, to, we have to remind people we do have a little hockey pool going on with two weeks left in the season. Oh, we oh should no. at least try to update the audience. So let's start with Steve Sabrin. He has Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Sebastian Aho, and his goaltenders, Freddie Anderson. And Steve sits, there you see it if you're watching on TV, with 139 points. which on the surface might not seem too bad, but when you see the rest, it might not look as good.
0: Steve, man, he got absolutely skewered by Jack Eichel's injury (laughs) at
3: Freddy's knee. 18 points. Yes. Freddy has 13 wins, so you nearly have more points from Freddie than you do from Michael. Anyway, next on the list, Ryan Drury's team of Alex Ovechkin, Leon Dreisaitl, Gino Malkin, and Connor Hellebuck. Ryan sits at 156 points.
0: Yes, I uh, Ovi's latest injury and his time missed on the COVID list hurt me for you know? sure. Yeah. And uh, Gino Malkin, another knee injury. Yeah. So, what do you say? You know, it's uh, it's tough. I bet on Russia and I lost.
3: So, so next Chris Abbott with Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, and Jacob Markstrom comes in with 197 points. Oh, the gap, wow, in hindsight.
1: In hindsight, I'm really happy with my picks. I think Markstrom would be the only guy that I might want to swap out of that. I'm happy with those picks. When
3: you see the next one, you might be even worse. Uh, Myself with Connor McDavid, William Nylander, Braden Point, and Vasilevsky sitting one point ahead of Chris Abbott at 198. We got a race in these last two weeks, Abbott.
1: Wow. I thought Clarky would have been much further ahead. Well, you would think that, but... I did too. As a matter of fact, I did too. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's I can't even remember what the prize was, but I'll take being one point down with two weeks left. Um, uh, Patrick Kane, yeah, they, they're they're a little bit out of it now. I think I think Clarky wins this at the end of the day, but um, we'll see. It's close, I'm, I'm happy promise. where I'm at right now. <laughs>
3: I'm nervous. You made it a race, my friend. Absolutely, and nobody and- picked Mitch Marner either. Like I picked William Nylander over Mitch Marner. How stupid am y- I? You
0: you did, and there's the thing is, if you had Marner, you'd be well ahead. I, I, I would I would venture to say you'd be You, you could have picked Jack up. Eichel.
4: Yeah, you could have picked, you.
0: Uh, and and that's the thing, right? Is every one of us have at least one guy, Steve and I, two guys, and that's why we're you know third and fourth that have kind of let us down fantasy wise a little bit. But uh, there you go. There's the gap, Clarkie and Abbott in a race it's to close. the end. So it, it is pretty close. Uh, let's talk about something now in the sports world that of course is going to, if, if it comes to fruition, heavily affect NFL futures bets right now and heavily affect, um, in season betting as well, depending on where this guy potentially goes. Uh, obviously Chris tonight, we are recording this the eve of the NFL draft much anticipated Does Trevor Lawrence go first overall. I'm sure lots of people laid some money down on things like that, but Today, a rumor breaking that Aaron Rodgers, the star quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, wants out. And uh, just recently, and and pardon us, folks, if anything breaks in the next 24 hours. Again, we're recording this on Thursday night. Trey Wingo tweeted, not an hour ago, that the Packers reportedly told Aaron Rodgers they were going to trade him in the offseason and then backed off. It's been a bleep show between them ever since. And within the last week, Rodgers has allegedly told the team, confirmed by a few sources, trade or no trade, I am not coming back to Green Bay. What would this do? I mean, you don't see these moves very often, especially for a guy who... I think many would probably still say is got some prime performance left in his arm. What would this do to the NFL landscape a, in terms of futures betting, Chris and B where are some teams that you would think that he would want to go to?
1: Uh, it absolutely crushes the green Bay Packers franchise because now not only have they not moved him at this point, but If he's come out and said he's not going back, it totally takes away their ability to capitalize on it. Every other team knows that they're coming from a position of weakness, so they're not going to get back the value that they need. Um, So it certainly seems like this is the path we're going down. Uh, And again, this might have all transpired already at the draft as we're talking about this, but I don't think it will. I think it might go on a little bit. Um, Some potential landing spots, I think you're going to look at teams who are right on the cusp. New Orleans, New Orleans. Is a, is a spot where I could see him landing. I know their uh, conference opponent and and all that, but uh, it's interesting because earlier today the Saints tweeted out just an emoji with the with the side eyes, and then later on this news break. So I wonder. Um, the San Francisco 49ers need a quarterback. They've been rumored to to have put in a pitch as as recent as this week. Um, you know, so those are the two teams that stand out to me. Uh, Could you go the Brett Favre route and go to the Minnesota Vikings? They they need, you know, a quarterback to put them over the top. So those are some teams that that stand out to me that are, are really just missing a quarterback. And of course, everyone uh, has the Washington football team on the radar too. With that defense, some of the playmakers they have, could he be a quarterback there? So yeah, New Orleans, Washington, San Francisco, Minnesota, they would be the four teams off the top of my head as this news breaks today where I could uh, I could see him landing because he's going to want a chance to win. Right? How many years does he yeah. have left? A yeah, handful? Yeah. So he's going to want a team that's, that's on, the, on the verge of having success, and some of those uh, stand out. But, I mean, yeah, Minnesota, Chicago, you, it's hard to see him go into those rival teams, but, hey, you never know. I mean, it's going to be
0: bad enough, and I, I know a lot of fans. I've seen some fans that I know tweeting that are not very happy. Um, maybe next week, Clarky, depending on what happens, we should get our buddy Bonesy back on the show. I mean, he he is a part owner. He has he has some yeah. stakes in the team, and I'm sure he is not very thrilled about this. Um, yeah, obviously a California guy, much like Tom Brady was and uh, or is, I should say. Maybe he goes to San Fran. God, if he went to Minnesota. I think Lambeau Field would just
4: implode in on itself. Steve, your
0: thoughts on this? Yeah,
4: I. You know what? I am thinking uh, more the route to a southern team. Um, New, New Orleans Braves, would not, be neat. Well, the 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 Brady factor of you know going to Tampa Bay and winning it, um, you know you look at San Francisco as Chris said. You know a storybook team. Uh, two of them, uh, Denver. We saw Peyton Manning go to Denver and bring a Super Bowl to the Broncos. They still have some skill there. Uh, They have a defensive side as well, and they've been looking for a quarterback forever. Um, And then what about Miami? Finishing (laughs) just outside the playoffs last year in the AFC. The only problem with Miami is you've got Buffalo. So I don't think on any given Sunday, Miami's going to get by Buffalo in a playoff scenario, uh, even with an Aaron Rodgers. But wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be, The storybook ending: Miami and Tampa Bay in a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers and uh, and and Tom
1: Brady. If I'm him, Uh, Miami doesn't have the weapons that Denver has. Like the Denver Broncos' receiving game uh, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback could would be very very fun to watch. Um, Really tough division though. Like you're going into a division with Patrick Mahomes. Um, So yeah, listen, it's it's exciting, and the NFL couldn't have got. I mean, I guess they didn't need to spread out the the news cycle. They dumped it all on us this week. But there's certainly, uh, even though the NBA and NHL are headed toward their playoffs, we're we're all NFL right now. And I guess, hey, they own they own a day of the week. They're the only league that does that, and there's a reason for it. People absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, I mean, so many potential options. And wherever he goes, he's going to make the team an instant contender. So I, it's exciting. Uh, but I, you know, I'm partial. I love Green Bay. I love what he and Devonte Adams do. I'd love to see that team get over the hump together. Um, but listen, it goes back to the decision not to go for it on fourth down last year. That's what it goes back to for me. He's, he's lost the, or he, Matt Lafleur has lost his respect. So I just don't see it happening.
0: Yeah. It's a really tough scenario. And I mean, when you lose a generational talent like that, it's, uh, it's never easy no matter the sport. Um, let's talk about heading into this weekend. Some great things to bet on. Of course, our buddy Corey Connors participating down in the Valspar Championship. Uh, what are some odds there? I mean, who would you lay money down on? It's a tough course, of course. So uh, no pun intended there. But uh, who who's kind of the betting favorite there? And I mean, is it worth maybe sprinkling some money on our friend Corey?
1: Well, it's all the usual favorites, you know, at the top of the leaderboard. But a bet that I think people don't make enough uh, is one that we offer an, off, an awful lot, and that's top Canadian. And Corey Connors is most likely always going to be the top Canadian. You can usually get him around plus 130, plus 150. Um, I I wouldn't get too cute. I'd just put a big bet on that because he's been so good lately. Um, that would be my play, would, would always be to bet him as top Canadian, uh, bet him in some head-to-heads with the other Canadians, no disrespect to them, but he's been the best Canadian uh, this year, especially, so... That's what I do. Uh, I, You know, I don't look for the big score. I don't look for the big five, six, seven times. I look for a nice bet with even money or a little bit better return and uh, maybe lay some decent stakes on it.
0: I will take your advice. Our buddy Corey Connors, of course, we wish him luck. We're going to have to get him back on the show at some point when he's maybe a little less busy, which won't be for a while. Catch Corey at the Valspar this weekend, of course. You can catch this show Friday nights just after 6 on CKNX AM 920, cknx.ca, unless the Leafs play on a Friday night at 7, in which case we will start just after 5.30, lead into 6.30 pregame, and of course the Leaf game. Remember, we're broadcasting every Leafs game on CKNX this year. We're also so broadcasting the Jays unless they conflict with the Maple Leafs. Leafs get priority, but man, the Jays are fun to watch. Vlad Guerrero Jr. doing historic things against Hall of Fame pitchers. Make sure you tune into CKNX for your Jays coverage as well. Follow us on social media and make sure to watch the show Friday nights at eight, Sunday nights at nine with our friends on Whiteman and debuting Friday nights at nine on our YouTube channel. I am Ryan Drury. That's Clarky and Gilmore the cat for our viewers. There's Steve Sabrin and of course our way. Teaching expert Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Thanks for doing this,
1: buddy. We appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Talk to you guys next week. Good
3: luck. Good luck the next two weeks, buddy.
1: <laughs> it's on. Absolutely. It's on. Uh, enjoy the rock.
3: All
0: right. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to and watching another episode of MWO Sports brought to you, as always, by CoolBet.co. <laughs>